You guys know that hang out with us that there's a just a, a real strong sense in our hearts and the way that we feel about our brothers and sisters in the in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ at large that we want to be able to resource them and connect with them whenever and wherever that's possible. And one of the great ways that we have found to be able to do that is to be able to um, let them come minister to us, bring their bands in, and there's lots of churches who we invite them to come and, and lead worship for us on Saturday nights, and, and um, it's just an incredible way for us to be able to build bridges and to be able to build relationships to see just how big and how wide and how great and how high and how deep is the love of God that we all share, regardless of the church that we call home. And so it's really cool to be able to have family reunions in all kinds of cool different ways like this. So thanks, guys, for coming. And, uh, and leading us in worship. So they did great, yeah. We've been, um, we've been talking for the last, oh, five or six weeks about this concept of what it means to become a disciple. That when we encounter God, that when we come into this awareness and this situation where God and man intersect, that the result is that God desires for us to understand who He is and to begin to follow Him. We've learned that to be a disciple literally means that we become a student or a pupil. In other words, we take it much further than just some casual relationship, but we actually engage in a pursuit of wanting to learn and wanting to understand and wanting to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And how that affects our lives. We've talked about all kinds of different effects of what happens when you encounter God and you have a God encounter. We've talked about the way that He begins to plant inside of us what the Bible calls fruit. And how as we connect to Him, He begins to demonstrate the inward change that's taking place inside of us. And how it becomes visible on the outside and the way that you and I live. And tonight I want to talk a little bit in depth about what it looks like to truly begin to understand that connection with God. There's a story in the Bible that some of us, most of us probably will be familiar with in the book of Matthew, chapter 16. And I want to read to you some verses in Matthew 16. And this is an interaction that Jesus is having with his followers, with his disciples. And they've come through this place where they've had some incredible teaching. They've seen some incredible miracles. They've had some incredible physical demonstrations in their life that would prove to them that Jesus is not just a normal rabbi or teacher of their day. And so this interaction happens where Jesus has them sitting and he says to them, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah or the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, and these words are huge, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. 
This moment at, that we look at in Scripture, where Jesus asks this question, and Peter announces on the public scene, probably for the first time publicly, that Jesus truly was the fulfillment of prophecy, that Jesus truly was the one that these men and their culture had spent their entire lives looking towards, waiting for the day when he was come. This moment when Peter has the words come off of his tongue is probably the first time that everybody hears it in a way to where God was revealing it to them more than just talk and gossip more than just ideas or intellectual thoughts. This was something that Jesus says, Peter, what you just said had nothing to do with you. This had everything to do with my Father in heaven. And he spoke something to you, and he revealed something to you that you didn't know what you were even saying. Isn't that crazy? There's this, there's this word that um, many of us have, have heard before, and the word that I want to share with you is, is the word epiphany. Have you guys ever heard of somebody having an epiphany where it's like the light comes on? It's a spiritual word. Epiphany literally means when a revelation is given to something. When a revelation is given to somebody. Revelation is a word that we probably know, but I, the definition of revelation is the act of revealing or disclosing something. Something revealed or realized, or ultimately, it's a manifestation of divine will or truth. See, in this, in this moment, when something was revealed, not just to Peter, but to all of the disciples, our Father in Heaven was wanting to demonstrate something, and He was wanting to make something abundantly clear. And what He was wanting to make clear to them was the fact that Jesus was not somebody who was distant or far away or, or somebody that was disconnected. But Jesus was literally coming close to them. And when they began to understand this concept of the Messiah, the ultimate fulfillment of prophecy coming to fruition, and then they realized that this very person that had been spoken of for generations and for all these years to come was sitting right in front of them, it totally, totally blew them out of the water. As we look at, at another story in Scripture, we realize that all throughout history, God had been revealed to them in a way that was distant. And Jesus, through everything that He did, was wanting to let them understand that God wanted to be close to them. That God wanted to be near them. That God wanted to be in their lives. And Jesus wants to reveal himself to us that same way. I think of the song, Amazing Grace. And I think of the words in it, I once was blind, but now I see. And I think of how many times in my life I have been completely blind to something only to have God open my eyes to understand it in a way that I never understood it before. It's an awareness. It's a revelation. It's an epiphany. In the book of Exodus, there's a, there's a killer story that just shows us the character of God. In Exodus chapter 13, we catch up in the middle of a journey that the group of people were on where God had literally promised them 
freedom. He was promising something to a group of people that had been enslaved and in captivity, and they had been away from their home for a long time. And God comes on the scene, and through his prophets, he begins to pull together his plan. And his plan ultimately is to set his chosen people free from their captors. And he says, I'm going to lead you out. I'm going to take you out of a place that you don't belong, and I'm going to send you on a journey that ultimately is going to take you back to a promised place that you are going to, you're going to be in. But the thing about this journey that I relate to so much, and I don't know if you do as well, is that they had to go through some stuff to be able to get from the point when God spoke to them to the point to where they actually saw the destination of where they knew they were headed. And this is where the story gets really crazy. Because if I were to ask you tonight, how many of you believe that God wants you to be free in your life? Those of you that are here tonight that have any kind of a concept of God, any kind of a concept of spirituality, and you believe in the fact that there really is a God that is interested and is wanting to be involved in your life personally, you would probably say, God wants me to be free. God doesn't want me to be bound up with things that hold me back from the things that ultimately he wants for my life. We would agree on that. I'm very aware that there's some of us here tonight that don't even necessarily believe in God. You don't even necessarily get that whole dynamic, and that's cool. But if you did believe that there was a God that loved you, and a God that was interested in that, and I said, he wants to set you free, you would have to agree that the desire to be set free is much different than actually being free. The thought of being free from something is much different than actually the process of becoming free. Many of us in this room have been through recovery. We've been through 12 steps. We've been through processes in our life of learning to do life a different way. And we know that there's a difference between starting out on the journey or the process and getting to the end of it. And sometimes the journey is where the rubber meets the road and all the change happens. It's not in the spoken promise, is it? It's not in the beginning. And it's not really in the end. It's in the in-between. It's when it really happens. And so this story is so much like that. God speaks to these, this group of people. And he says, I'm going to set you free. And then they, they set out on this journey that takes them a long time. And in the middle of this journey, God does something for them that I want us to read together. In verse 20, it says that when they were leaving this town, Succoth, they camped on the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord guided them by a pillar of clouds during the day and a pillar of fire at night. That way they could travel, whether it was day or night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from their sight. I want us to understand this for a second. You've got a large group of people and they are trying to find their way from being in bondage and captivity to a place of being free and living as they always have wanted to live. And in the middle of this journey, they have to follow God. They have to hear his voice. They have to be led by him. They have to be able to know where he is. 
And so God in His mercy, He says, I'm going to give you a tangible sign to put your eyes on. In the daytime, when the sun is shining and you look around at the sky and you see all these things, there's going to be a stack of clouds right there in front of you. And I want you to keep your eyes on those clouds. And at nighttime, when the sun goes down and you can no longer see the clouds anymore, I'm going to replace it with a ball of fire so that you know that I'm with you and you know where to go. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. I don't know about you, but I really wish that when I walked out my front door, I could just see a cloud and just go, oh, there you are, God. That would be pretty amazing because I would be able to have the security that comes from having something physical to look at. But there's a downside to that, isn't there? It's not very personal to see something that's far away. It's not very intimate to be able to get close to a ball of fire in the sky. There's a gap there, isn't there? There's something missing. There's something that bridge, that needs to be bridged in order to, for us to be able to get close to God. And see, that is the beauty of Jesus coming. Because in their mind's eye, they know that this is their history. They know that this is the way that God showed himself to them. They know that this is how God demonstrated himself. He says, I am right there for you to see. But I'm not right here for you to fill. And for Jesus to sit in front of those disciples and to say, I'm right here, it changed the game. See, this story of the, of the cloud is so beautiful for us because it shows us that Jesus is who we're following. He leads, and we follow. And with that cloud and that pillar of fire, it was a tangible sign for us to understand the dynamic of this relationship that God wanted. It's a physical sign for us to understand the way that he wanted it to work. And so we go back to the story of Jesus. We go back to the story of him coming to us, the Messiah coming to us. And as we go to the beginning of the tale of Jesus meeting his disciples and of him calling them, we pick up in the story in Matthew 4. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, and he said, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. In another translation it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said these words, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Do you realize that this whole transition of God coming and God being with us and Jesus coming on the scene as the Messiah come in the flesh to be with us all said one thing loud and clear to you and me. Said it loud and clear to them too. But what it said 
is that Jesus was bringing revelation about God into their everyday lives. Jesus, he said, though you think that God is far away, though you think that God is distant like a cloud of fire or a cloud of, of cloud, a pillar of clouds, though you think that God is out there, touch me, feel me, listen to me. I'm telling you that God is coming close. I'm telling you that God is interested in your everyday life. Now that's shocking for some of us, but Jesus says it to some fishermen right here. He didn't say, come to church and I'll teach you about God. He says, come, follow me. And he went to where they were at. I love that. He went to where they were living and fishing and doing what they did. And he spoke to them in their everyday life. Now we have to stop right here for a second. Because there are times in our lives where we too feel like God is like way out there. And the idea that God really wants to speak to us and reveal to us who God is in our everyday lives doesn't resonate with us. We buy into the concept or the lies that says that I just kind of glide by undetected. I fly under the radar and God doesn't really notice me or that God's not really interested or that God ultimately doesn't really care. And I have to tell you tonight that if there's one thing that I could say to you if you walk out of here and you don't hear anything else I say tonight, I want to say something really directly to you. Whether you believe me now or not, God does care about you. God cares about your everyday life. God cares about the fact that you can't pay the bills. God cares about the relationships that you have in your life that are not working the way they're supposed to. God cares about your kids and your relationships and how they're distant and how they're not the way you want them. God cares about you. And you may not believe me and you may walk out of here tonight and think, yeah, whatever. But I'm telling you that if you will begin looking, God will show you how he cares. And Jesus in this story, he came into these men's lives. He came into their world. And he wants to come into yours too. These were Jewish men. Many of us don't understand the Jewish culture to really have a context or to really wrap our heads around how they felt about this concept of a coming Messiah, a coming Christ, a coming Savior. But they had heard from the time that they were little kids that his name would be Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God is with us. It literally means that God has united himself with man. And he's living with us. He's come to us. He's come to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And everything that we experience when we encounter God, Jesus reinforced because he was redefining what it meant to have God with us. 
in their eyes and in their culture, they had this concept that it would be a disconnect, that it would not be what Jesus was. So human. So personal. So like them. And yet fully divine. And so as these men begin to follow and they begin to invest their lives and they begin to learn what it looks like to live with this Jesus, they began to have the most amazing truth revealed to them, which was God was no longer far away and distant. God was no longer way out there, but he was close to us. He was becoming a part of us. And ultimately, he wanted to live inside of us. It blows me away. That blows me away. Last week, we talked about what it is to hear God's voice. We talked about this idea of learning how to follow after God and learning how to hear His voice. We talked about the crazy thought of it, actually, of really being able to hear God and just how nuts that really is for us to be able to think about that. The God that created everything that we see actually wants to speak something to you and me. He actually wants to communicate with us. He actually wants to be involved in our life. And we started thinking about the fact that when God speaks to us, it's like learning a new way of listening. It's a learning and new communication way. Because it's not like you sit down with God at Starbucks, right? It's not like you chill over a, over a latte and you're just... It's not like that. It's a spiritual communication. It's something that is not used with words necessarily, but yet it's something that you have to be open to learn and to listen for and to hear. And Jesus described it like this in the book of John chapter 10. We looked at this scripture last week. And Jesus says, as he's talking about this concept of being a shepherd, I want to read it to you guys. It says, I assure you, Jesus says, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, he must surely be a thief and a robber. For a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. When Jesus speaks in these terms to us tonight, we know this concept of following after something that we recognize. But if we're honest... Like I said last week, the number one question I get from people is, how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear it when God speaks? See, the, the issue really isn't whether or not God speaks. That's not the issue. I believe God's speaking all the time. I believe that God has something to say to us all the time. The issue really is why can't we hear God's voice when he speaks? And Jesus says it right here, that we as his sheep, we won't follow after a strange voice. We won't follow after a stranger. 
But how many times do you and I hear things in our lives? How many times do we have voices that we listen to that we know are not the voice of our Father? And you say, well, what does that sound like? Well, Jesus' voice is very clear when he speaks through Scripture. And his voice is very clear when he speaks his truth to our heart. And we learned that when he speaks, there's evidence of his voice. The evidence of God's voice being spoken is by the results of what we hear. There is peace. There is joy. There is love. There is patience. There is kindness. There is goodness. There is the fruit of the Spirit when it speaks to us. Now on the other side, we know what the fruit is of the voices that we listen to that are not God. There is envy. There is jealousness. There is striving. There is anxiety. There is fear. There is lust. There is all of these things as the evidence of the voice that we're listening to. And so I ask you, when you say, how do I hear God's voice? I ask you, what is the fruit? What is the evidence? Because as we come close to God, we recognize is that Jesus says right here that he leads us and we follow There's a security and there's a confidence that comes in hearing His voice lead us. And there's a security and confidence that comes when we stop. When He says stop. When we wait. When He says wait. When we sit and be still. When He says don't even move. Sometimes I don't like that. I'm anxious. I'm uptight. I want to move. Let's do something here. I don't want to go. And yet in the waiting is sometimes when I hear the most beautiful words spoken to me because it's still and it's quiet and God has a chance to reveal himself. See, it's about God revealing himself to me and you. When we have these encounters with God, the natural flow, the out, natural outcome is that God wants to be seen and known. He wants us to recognize Him. He wants to reveal Himself to us. Just like in this story with Peter, Jesus asks the question that I ask you here tonight. Who do people say that I am? And Peter's like, You are Him. You're the one. You're the one that we have been looking for. You're the one that we have been planning for. You're the one that we have been waiting for. You're the one. You're the one to come and give us way to our Father. You're the one to come and reveal to us the heart of God for us. You're the one to come and make the mysteries known. You're the one to come to open our eyes physically and spiritually so that we can see finally, finally, you're the one. And my friends, 
The same one that revealed himself then wants to reveal himself to you now. And it only takes one thing. Only one thing. And it's the same thing that it took back then. It takes an open heart. It takes an open heart. Because an open heart demonstrates humility. And says, show me. God, if you are, then show me. God, if you can love me, show me. God, if you can open my eyes to the mysteries, show me. I open myself to you. And as we open our hearts to God, he will reveal himself to you. And every single one of us has a unique way that God wants to show himself to you. Some of you have known Christ for a very short time. Some of you just got baptized a few weeks ago. And your history with God as a follower of Christ is very short. But your history with God goes back to before you were ever born. And for some of you, God wants to reveal how he's been with you your entire life. He wants to show you how every bad thing that you've been through, that you want to forget and run from, he wants to take and transform into a beautiful work of art. And he wants to put it on display for the world to see, to show how he's the God that can redeem everything in your life. And as we come to him with an openness, what we're saying is, God, I'm a mess, so please help. Tonight, we're going to take communion. We're going to have the band come back up. They're going to lead us in some more worship. And tonight is a night for some of you to say some things to God that you have been keeping inside of here. And you haven't known what to do with it. Because you too have believed that God is way out here, far away, not interested, not interested in your stress, not interested in your pain, not interested in your anxiety and in your worry, not interested. But tonight God wants you to get close to Him. He wants to get close to you. He wants to draw you close to His heart. And here's the thing, is that some of you tonight think you know how that works. You think you know what to do. And you think that if you open your heart up to God and if you humble yourself to get close to Him, you think you know what the outcome will be. And I want to tell you, with as much love and compassion that I can, you don't know Jack. Because the way that God wants to love you and the way that God wants to embrace you and the way that God wants to wrap his arms around you is different every single time. And it is new. Every single morning you wake up, you have a choice to receive the mercies of God that are new every morning. And my friends, tonight, as we come to these tables, 
as we come to these, these communion stations and we take this simple bread and this juice, we have two choices. The first is that we can just go through the motions. And we can just kind of, yeah, this is what we do on Saturday nights and take my bread, take my juice. Those of us that contribute financially, yeah, there's, there's my money. That's your choice. That's choice number one. But there's another choice, my friend, that is so much better. There's a choice that says, God, I'm not leaving here until you reveal yourself to me. God, I'm not leaving here until you touch my heart. I'm not leaving here until you show me who you are. Because right now, God, I can't answer that question. Who do you say I am? I don't know. Are you my healer? Are you my forgiver? Are you the one that loves me? God, please come and be with me. My friends, He is here for you. He is available to meet with you. It's more than available. He's longing for it. And even as I'm talking right now, some of you are inside fighting going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to give in to God right now. Take it from somebody that knows you'll fight for the rest of your life. And you'll lose. Because His love is way stronger than your will. And it'll win. So come. Come with an open heart. And meet with God. Thank you.